this is Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales, and I am Kim Yellen. And I'm Anna Howington. And I think Anna is going to jump right in. Today I start. Yes, I do. Okay, so I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now. (laughs) And the subject that I'm going to talk about, it might not be the most important thing um, to cover at this point in time. And um, I don't usually follow or read about celebrity culture because I think it's kind of, um, so you know, it's pretty vapid. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's just like gossip, you know, like I'm, I'm not really into like learning about like which celebrity is dating which celebrity or anything like that. But this, right. this particular story, the allegations in it are just so egregious that if it's true, speaks a lot about the way society treats women and the way that we look at our celebrities and judge them. And it's just, I just found it really interesting. And I've been a little obsessed with it for a little while. So today I'm going to cover the Britney Spears conservatorship and the free Britney movement. Ooh, we've talked about this before. I, you've been like on this for a while. This has been like, yeah. Oh, there have been times when I'm like, oh, I should look into this because I feel like it's something that you always see, right? Like, I feel like everybody knows about it, like knows that there's kind of <laughs> something kind of seedy about it. Oh, it's it's fucked. It's really crazy. Yeah. I just want to make it clear from the start that I am firmly on the side of Free Britney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really believe that what what is happening to her is just a travesty. It, there's yeah. just no it doesn't make any sense. Not saying that I I couldn't be wrong. Maybe there's some things that will come out that I didn't know before. But based on everything I've read and based on all of the evidence that we've seen over the last 12 years, like, we need to free Britney. Yeah. It needs to happen. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure. So I'm going to start with a little background on the pop star. Um, If you guys don't know who Britney Spears is. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which would be crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I want to talk a little bit about her career because I I think it's important that we understand like just the breadth of what she's done since which she came out in 1999 as, as this big pop star. She's done a ton of albums. She's done tons of world tours. It's I mean, the amount of work that this woman has has put out there and and taken part in. It's just it's staggering. Um, so she started off in 1999 at 15 uh, with the hit single, Hit Me Baby, One More Time. And I think everybody knows the song. Even the most cynical music listener has to admit it's it's catchy. It's the most catchy song, I think, of our generation. Do you, like, remember? I feel like I, like, remember where I was when that, like, that was, like, a thing. Like, when, yeah. like, her and, like, Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera, like, those, like those songs were all like coming out like I feel like it was like yeah this moment in our lives like yeah yeah I was in middle school and it was huge yep. it was huge every Britney was everywhere mm-hmm. um so the the video that comes out is a you know very teen young teenage Britney dancing very provocatively in a schoolgirl outfit and it just you know it blows up everywhere and uh, you know I gotta say I don't know that that would happen today that a teen would like come along or or that like we'd allow that type of seduction um maybe i feel like yeah we're a bit more sensitive to it now but i feel like still like young like children essentially are still kind of getting used in very adult ways yeah 
in the yeah. music industry and in the in you know Hollywood and whatever. But I yeah, yeah I think maybe we are a bit more sensitive to it now that mm-hmm. that maybe it wouldn't have been quite a. Yeah, I mean, I look at it now and I'm like, you know, at the time it didn't really seem like a big deal, but no, now yeah. as an like as an adult in my 30s, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my god, she was 15 years old when she was doing that. Yeah, like when I picture it in my head, it's certainly like I would never have thought that she was 15. Like I would have thought, yeah. you know, kind of early 20s, whatever, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. an adult for sure. And I think it's kind of important when we look at like the trajectory of her life is like when you're that young, like, and you're not making decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We don't know what her opinion on that is. She might be really proud of it. I mean, it was a, it's a, it, like I said, it was a really catchy song. I mean, she was a fantastic dancer. Like, you can't take that away from her. Right. She knows how to dance. But I just think, like, to have that much fame that young, you know what I mean? Like, there's just, yeah. like, you have no idea what that would do to somebody's psyche. But it, it, it can't be easy. Right. No, I don't. I mean, is there like can any like is there a, a example of a child star that went right? There's so many examples of like, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, did she start as young as Britney Spears? Like Britney Spears was like even before like like she was like in the Mickey Mouse Club and like. Yeah, she was four when she first started performing. Geez, Britney yeah. was not not Taylor. Uh, Britney was four yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, maybe there are some examples, but I feel like it's that's kind of the exception mm-hmm. that proves the rule, right? Like I yeah. feel like it's overwhelmingly that like that kind of success early on like just leads to yeah. a real hard adulthood. Yeah. And then like I think that it's just important to remember that like behind all those images that we've seen of her over the years is she's a she's a person, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. From a very young age, she was being bottled and sold. Mm-hmm. And you just you just can't like you don't know you there's no way that she was making those decisions for herself at 15. Oh, no. And I think that's the thing, too, is that like at a very early age to hear that, like nobody cares about what you're thinking or what you're feeling or who you are. They just kind of care about the product that you're putting out and lining everybody else's pockets like, oh, yeah, it's got to be a weird. Yeah, yeah. I just I can't imagine what that does to must have been overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like right out the gate, she has this huge hit and it just continues. After mm. that, she does Oops, I Did It Again in 2000. She becomes an international star. She does a world tour that grosses $40 million. That's her Jeez. first world tour. Wow. She goes on to sign an $8 million deal with Pepsi. She releases her third studio album in 2001, uh, self-titled Britney. She does the movie Crossroads. She goes on tour again and grosses $43 million on her next tour. In 2002, she breaks up with Justin Timberlake. That's all very public. You know, mm-hmm. um, he comes out with that song, Cry Me a River. Everything's like very sensationalized. And she's also, she's still very young at this point in time. Right, right. She continues to perform in world tours. In 2003, she releases In the Zone. Um, again, it does really well. And then as you as you like list all these things, I can like see them in my mind. Like I can like see album covers and I can see like like that Pepsi ad. I can like see it like it's so weird to like just all you have to do is like say these things and I can just like see her career like like that's how like ingrained she is. And like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She was everywhere. You couldn't get away from her like Mm -hmm. anywhere you looked. It was Britney Spears on advertisements. You know, she would do TV appearances and was just constantly putting out music. 
In 2004, she marries her childhood friend, uh, Jason Allen Alexander, in Vegas, and the paparazzi just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. The marriage is annulled after 55 hours, but they really paint her in a bad light when that happens. You know, they start to question her mental state. Yeah. And I feel like that's really, really unfair. Oh, because yeah. I know so many people who have done crazy shit in Vegas, and she was so <laughs> young. I mean, when I was that age, I could imagine myself doing something impulsive and wild like that, you know, just 100%, kind of thinking it was a joke. 100%. About the incident, she's quoted saying she was just being silly, being rebellious, and not really taking responsibility of what she was doing. But they really kind of pounded her for that. And I think that that must have been very difficult because it's like even like just making kind of a I mean, it wasn't a totally innocent mistake. I mean, obviously, there was some legal Mm -hmm. issues that came up. But for someone her age, if she had been anybody else, it would have been a fairly innocent mistake. Like, for so long, your life is kind of controlled. Like, all of your decisions and all the things you do are controlled by other people. And she, like, suddenly decides to do this thing that I I think, or I'm assuming, was totally her decision. Mm-hmm. And the moment she kind of, like, steps out and makes this decision all all on her own, like you said, everybody kind of, like, rakes her over the coals for it. And, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so publicly. I mean, that must have been very hard. Uh, The next year, she gets engaged to one of her backup dancers, Kevin Federline. And uh, this was a little dicey. The romance results in intense attention from the media because Federline had recently broken up with the actress Shar Jackson, who was still pregnant with their second child. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) It's a little messy. Yeah. But life is messy. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that, I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, how that all went down, but she seemed like she was very much in love at that time. Yeah. I also, know? I always feel like, like, that's you, dude. Like, you're the yeah. one that's, like, stepping out on your pregnant girlfriend or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever happened. Or you're the one that's deciding that you just broke up with this woman who's having your baby, and so you're going to go and get with somebody else. Like, what did Brittany have to do? Like, I always think, like, whenever you see, yeah. like, I don't know, like if my boyfriend went and cheated on me with some other woman and then I get mad at the other woman, I've never understood that reaction. Like, no, who is that? That lady is no one. Like, I'm mad at the guy. Like, I feel like it's that type of thing that it's like, oh, these crazy women like doing all these. Like, what did she? Why was that her responsibility? I don't know. I mean, I'm not as steeped in the Britney Spears, you know, history. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if she even knew, yep, you right, know, right. or if they were broken up already. I, I don't know. Exactly, it's not but- her responsibility to know. Like, it's not my responsibility yeah. to check with every guy that I get with to make sure that they don't have a girlfriend True. or make like that's True. not my responsibility. And it's not my fault if they do like. And also, at the end of the day, these are all adults. Right. And shit right. happens. Things happen. Yep. Things happen to people and relationships. And it's all very messy and mm-hmm. very human and, you know, whatever. But, of course, you know, the media latches on to all this stuff. And, you know, they they sensationalize it more. And um, what made it worse is uh, she and Kevin Federline, they make their own reality TV show called Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. This was like the height of those TV shows too. Yeah, like those like, let's follow around your family. Like, mm-hmm. like there was a point when it was like 
just the Kardashians. And then all of a sudden a whole bunch came on. And I feel like we've kind of yeah. taken a bit of a step back from those. Thank but God. like but there was that point. Like remember when it was mm-hmm. like every family had it. Like maybe it was the Osbournes that started that. Like Jessica Simpson has one. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 That remember was the all... um Hulk Hogan had one. Like Oh yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I know. Thank God. I mean, there are a lot, but not not quite as many. I feel like they're different now. It's not like so much like this is just my family. Like it's like now it's like groups of adults. Like it's like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched hmm. a reality show in a long time. I, but I haven't either. Unless it's like <laughs> Great British Bake Off. That's the oh, I count? love that show. Oh, my God. I love that oh, show I so love much. It. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. There's a new season right yes. now. And I am just. Yes. Oh, I'm going crazy for it. I've been quite annoyed at. I don't know why we started this thing of releasing things on Netflix once a week. I hate it. <gasps> me too. Like, I ugh. cannot stand it. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. That's the point of Netflix is that I can sit here and I can watch every, whatever, 12 episodes of Great British Bake Off. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, I don't want to wait a week. Like, I want to watch 12 straight yes. hours of British people being yep. slightly upset that their dough didn't rise. Right. That's all I want in life. Yeah. Just- people talking about soggy bottoms and what. That's all I <laughs> exactly. want. Yeah. I don't. I hate it. But it, yes. But the season, this next season is, they're is so amazing. wonderful. Yeah. But I feel like that's different. Like those like competition yeah. shows. And then like you said, yeah. they're all adult. Like those are all adults mm-hmm. that like made yeah. this decision. Like. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Britney Spears would later go on to say that the reality show was probably the worst thing I've done in my career. Wow. So I think that she wasn't really happy with the way that it all panned out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they get married in 2004. Britney releases a sex. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't release a sex tape. Good. That wasn't her. Good. That was another yes. one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Successful fragrance line. Mm-hmm. She announces after that that she's going to take a break and she's going to focus on starting a family. But she still continues to release chart-topping music and she does uh, videos. Uh, she's just not touring. In 2005, she gives birth to her first son, uh, Sean. And in February uh, 2006, pictures surface of Brittany driving with her son on her lap instead of in a car seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Child advocates are horrified. Um, you know, they make this big fuss about it. But according to Brittany, she says that she was feeling very um, scared mm-hmm. because there were paparazzi following her. And she was, like, just trying to get out of a situation and trying to get away from them. Because you have to remember, like... They would hound her everywhere she went. Right. Like, yeah. can you imagine going somewhere and no matter what time of day, no matter where you are, there's people just like on the lookout for you, trying to get pictures of you, aggressively like snapping shots of you. I mean, it's just got to be crazy. Yes, absolutely. And like have, trying to like like have young children in that situation. Like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it still was dangerous. Like, let's not, you know, get away from the fact that, I mean, she did make a mistake, but she admitted that she made a mistake. But I just, like I said, I just, I mean, you think about what happened to Princess Diana, Mm -hmm. and I can imagine being very scared of paparazzi. Yep. Yeah. 100%. In September of 2006, she gives birth to her second son. And then in November, she files for a divorce with Kevin Federline. um, And they agree to joint custody of their children. So, like, right after she yeah, has her a lot, kid. Yeah, a lot right? all at the same time. 
a lot is happening. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later, her aunt that she was really, really close to dies of ovarian cancer. Oh. And in February, she checks into a drug rehabilitation center. Um, She checks in for one day and then she leaves. And the following night, the incident of the head shaving occurs. Oh, Oh, poor Brittany. I know. It's like, can you imagine everything she's going through? And then she makes like one rash decision. Mm -hmm. And I mean... It's just, I, I don't know. Uh, she, after this, she admits herself into a treatment facility. And um, according to the stylist that shaved her head, Brittany had said, I just don't want anybody touching my head. I don't want anyone touching my hair. I'm sick of people touching my hair. Ugh. God. And that may seem like an extreme move to like shave off all your hair. But I think we should put it in context. At this point in time, she had been performing, making public appearances, I mean, pretty much constantly since she was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And, like, she was notoriously impatient in the makeup and hair chair. Mm. Um, And not rude. I mean, nobody said it. Like, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts about this, and nobody said she was rude. But just that she would just get tired of having to just sit there. Yep. And I was listening to this one thing about um, from a celebrity stylist, and he was saying it takes like three to five hours yeah. to make them up, you know, mm-hmm. these, these women celebrities. And once you're in that chair, you're not really in control of your own self anymore. You are, at that point in time, the canvas for which the stylist is going to be creating their art on. Right. And so, like, that is their calling card when you go out on that red carpet or you go out to do that performance. So they're going to do, you know, take as long as they need to because it's their reputation as a stylist, right? Right, yeah. So they're, like, you know, gluing extensions in the hair and pulling and plucking. And, and I just can imagine after years and years and years of that, Mm-hmm. Of feeling like your hair is not your own, your body's not your own. I mean, I would want to shave my head. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I feel like being constantly poked and prodded. I understand her sentiment of I just don't want anybody to touch my hair. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Like it's. I mean, it so, just goes back to that. I feel like it's that whole that nobody cares about her. They just kind of care about how she yeah. looks and, yeah. and you know, that she's going to... And then it, it's kind of that same thing that there's so many people that are relying on you. Like, I mean, like you yeah. were saying, like the stylist, like their their income and their reputation is based on this one. Like, I would feel a lot of pressure for that to... Oh, yeah. Like, that would be a lot too. God, I can't even imagine. Ugh. I mean, it would be so depersonalizing for the person that's like constantly getting that stuff done to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... But instead of genuine concern for a young woman clearly having an episode, I mean, I don't know if you remember the coverage that came out after she shaved her head, but it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were so cruel. She became a joke. You know, they did a skit on SNL about it. 
magazines, just her picture was plastered over every magazine, you know, for for really years after that. I mean, it wasn't even just like a short lived thing. I mean, yeah, it was referenced over and over again. It was just like um, it was very like a schadenfreude, you know, like people like took pleasure in seeing her in this like weak moment. Yeah you like see this person that's so like propped up and then you're like, oh, they can fail too. And instead of like taking genuine concern for this woman's like mental health and well-being, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, mm-hmm. great. Like they can fail. Like look at them fail. Like it's it's not yeah. seen in the same eyes as as somebody that you care about. Like they're they're just a thing that has yeah. failed, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was awful. Yeah. But by May of 2007, she's back working she's producing promotional videos she's recording in october she releases blackout and then she loses custody of her children to federline yeah i don't feel like it was a good thing that she like went back to work so quickly like i feel like mm-hmm. she i mean if if anybody earned a break they didn't even give her that like she was just back to work right away but I can imagine just like so many people were probably pushing her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean like somebody was. She was a cash cow. Right. Is that like instead of being like, OK, like you had this like moment, like let's just like take a break and take a minute and, you know, whatever. Everybody was just like, oh, well, you know, yeah. back to work. Yeah. So she she loses custody of her children after that. And um, it's reported that the reason she lost custody is because she failed to show up on time to a hearing and didn't have her driver's license. And Mm. uh, also she like didn't take a drug test. Not that she failed a drug test, but that she missed one. Yeah. So it seems like it was just like some technicalities. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but we do know that she lost custody of her children at that point. Yeah, yeah. So that's in October. She goes on to do... uh, more work she's recording more she does a performance at the mtv music video awards uh that's very lackluster Mm -hmm. and again the press attacks and i don't know if you remember that performance oh yes like i said that's part of the like real like that's like right (laughs) when you said that i was like oh the one with the snake and then you were like no the lack and i was like oh yeah yes i can i can see what she was wearing i can see her hair like yeah and who the hell put her up yeah like they must have known she was having yeah. Like some issues. Yeah. And, and and the fact that they put her out there like that, I, I just I don't know. It's I just mean, the it's the continued like monetization of a of a human being. Like Yeah. 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 That, that they didn't they didn't care. Like they they yeah. had some money to make and, and they had to promote something or whatever. If she mm-hmm. was on tour or she was doing whatever. So yeah. Yeah. And then shortly after that, in two thousand eight, during an argument. Brittany refuses to release custody to Federline, and it results in her being hospitalized and put on an involuntary 5150 hold. So a 5150 hold is what allows an individual with a mental illness to be involuntarily held for 72 hours of psychiatric hospitalization. By police, right? Like the police are the one that decide. Yeah, exactly. I think something happened where she was like, she locked herself in the bathroom with her kids. And it sounds like it was just like kind of like a domestic dispute. Yeah. Like things had gotten very heated and everyone was really upset. And so somebody called the cops. And that's when, and when she gets put on this 5150 hold, this is where things start to go really bad for her. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So 
after this, her father petitions the court that she be put under a conservatorship. And that gives him complete control of all of her assets. Yeah. Now you may be asking, what is a conservatorship? A conservatorship is when a judge appoints a guardian to care for another adult who cannot care for themselves Mm. or manage their own finances. Now, these are usually only used in cases of the elderly, if someone has uh, dementia. I mean, we're talking about people who are totally incapable of making any kind of decisions for themselves. Right. It's a very extreme move. Yeah. And it's not meant for people who are capable to work. It's just, it's not usually used in this kind of situation. Yeah, like it seems like, I mean, not to like put her struggles lightly, but it seemed like she was kind of just having a bad moment and just kind of needed needed mm-hmm. somebody to care for her and needed somebody to support her kind of in that moment. But this this like taking over 100% of all of her decisions. Yeah. I just wonder how well, it like happened. And and- even if it's not a moment, even if she has a mental illness. Right. A mental illness does not preclude you from having autonomy as an adult. Right. Yes. You know? There are plenty of people that function in society and, and, and have, I mean... I guess yeah. mental health issues and and have kind of these things that they're dealing. I think everybody's kind of dealing with something. Like some are dealing with it more than others. Mm-hmm. But like to like you said, to have everything taken away from you because you have an episode or because you you need help in another direction seems seems like a uh, like an yeah. extreme overreaction. Yeah, and I mean, an episode does not mean that you are incapable of making decisions. I mean, she's right. coherent. She's she's doing all kinds of work. Like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. A conservatee, which is what, there's a conservator and a conservatee. So Brittany's a conservatee, has no control over their finances or day-to-day life. Brittany is not allowed to drive, to use a cell phone, to spend her own money. She's not allowed to have a credit card. She's not allowed to travel. Nothing can be done without permission from the conservator. So she's lost all control of her finances. She's given a um, an allowance to like buy clothes with, but all of her bill, everything goes through the conservator. And the fees that they get for their conservatorship is, I mean, it's just staggering. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I mean, we just don't even know what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the fact that she's under this conservatorship, she goes on to guest star on TV shows. She was on How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. She releases her sixth studio album, Circus. She regains partial custody of her children. Uh, she also releases the documentary right after this happens for the record. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but it's like... A, it was after everything had happened. And so they do this this documentary called For the Record. In it, she talks about all the pressures of, um, you know, going through breakups very publicly at a young age. She touches on the conservatorship saying, uh, and quote, there's no excitement. There's no passion. I have really good days. And then I have really bad days. Even when you go to jail, you know, there's a time when you're going to get out. But in this situation, it's never ending. It's just like Groundhog's Day every day. And she adds, 
I think it's too in control. If I wasn't under the restraints I'm under, I'd feel so liberated. When I tell them the way I feel, it's like they hear, but they're really not listening. I've never wanted to become one of those prisoner people. I've always wanted to feel free. Ugh. Ugh, that's so awful. This was the last time that she was allowed to speak publicly about the conservatorship. Wow. Yeah, Ugh. that's the last time. So that Ugh. was, we're going all the way back to like 2009. Jeez. Holy moly. And apparently like when she does interviews and stuff like that, like they've talked to some people who have interviewed her. They have to let her team know all of the questions in advance. They can't ask her this. They can't ask her that. It's like the most controlled environment. Wow. In 2009, she begins another world tour. And this tour grosses $131 million. Gee. All while legally being unable to make any financial decisions for herself. Wow. It, I mean, it just seems like it just wasn't what a conservatorship was set up for. Like, no. it, I mean, like no. you said, it's like, I mean, she's obviously able to work. She's obviously able to function in yeah. society. And then I also yeah. feel like a conservatorship was meant to be temporary, too. Like, it seems yes. like, mm-hmm. I mean, what, in 2009? Like, that was, uh, yeah, what, 12 years yeah. ago? Yeah. Hey, yeah, I yeah. can't. In 2011, she releases Femme Fatale. She goes on tour again. She's making appearances. She's promoting her album. She releases a clothing line. In 2012, she signs on to host The X Factor. Mm-hmm. And she gets a salary of $15 million. So now she's this host of this huge TV show. America is watching her weekly. She's clearly in control of herself. Right. Yeah. I mean, I saw her on the X Factor. She didn't she didn't seem or look crazy to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That she I mean, she's a coherent adult, just like any of us. Like Yeah, I know. Ugh. Ugh. She continues to release more albums. She goes on tour. She does a Vegas residency. Mm-hmm. She releases more fragrances. She gets an icon award. Anyway, you get you get the picture. Yeah. This is all while not being able to legally make decisions for herself. Yeah. Her career or her money. She can't even decide if she wants to perform or not. Like all of this is like she has no choices as an adult. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I just it uh, like makes my skin crawl that like this is an option even that like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's the justice system or if it's a court system or, or you know, if it's state or I don't know where it comes mm-hmm. from really. But like the fact that that's an option even to like put what most would argue is a functioning adult under this like guardianship for a decade more than seems, a decade. Yeah, yeah that seems insane that that's even an option so we'll fast forward now to january 2019 when on instagram she announces that she's taking an indefinite work hiatus and she cancels a planned las vegas residency and this is after her father suffers a near fatal colon rupture wow word gets out after this that she's been put in a psychiatric facility again it's put out there that it's because of the stress of her father's illness that's like the the go-to line from her team but rumors start flying and in march another podcast and by the way there are a ton of podcasts out there about britney about the free britney movement and they go into a lot more depth than i have time for today like entire like that the whole podcast like it's not the like entire, episodes of the yeah. podcast is set up around yeah what britney spears is doing and 
Yeah. Yeah. There are deeper dives for sure. In March, uh, this one podcast titled Britney's Graham alleges that Jamie had been the one to cancel the residency because mm. I guess Britney supposedly refused to take her medication and that he had her put in a facility against her will since January after she violated a rule that said she couldn't drive. Oh. And there's a lot of, like, speculation that they're drugging her up. I mean... Yeah, I mean, but I do... I, I, don't, I don't know. Some people need medication. Right. I'm not saying that right. that couldn't be the case. But there's... I mean, there's so many rumors around all of this. So I'm not right. saying that that's necessarily true. There's just so much speculation around what's happening. I mean, not to... I, I am in no position to analyze anybody, but if whatever she's going, I mean, if it's bipolar or if it's mm -hmm. um, some other kind of, I think that there are times when you do need somebody to be like, well, if you're not going to take your medication, if you're not going to take care of yourself, then I'm going to make you take care of yourself. But like to Possibly. find out that it's, yeah, I feel like that's not what it was. <laughs> Maybe that person should be a doctor. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. But she's a full grown woman. Mm -hmm. Like she should be able to make her decisions, even if we don't think that those decisions are the best. Even right. if she wants to go blow all her money on a hundred yachts, like, that's right. her choice. Right. You know? Yep. Totally. So when all this happened, it also came out that apparently the conservatorship was supposed to end in 2009, but that it kept going. Um, it gave rise to the hashtag Free Britney movement. And it's just been taking off since then. And that's when I really started to hear about this. I remember hearing something about her being under conservatorship, like here and there over the years. But I didn't really give it any thought until it really like started to become a thing on Instagram. Right. Yeah. Social media was definitely the like, like, that's how I heard about it, too. Like, yeah, like you said, the free Britney and. And people try to read all these things into her Instagram posts, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. They're a little kooky. I mean, she just seems like a kind of like a she's just a little kooky, but right. she also seems like really sweet and mm -hmm. she just reminds me of like a southern suburban mom. Yeah. It's kind of one of these things that like if you're not releasing information, like if you're not telling us what's going, which I, I feel like is kind of this like culture now that maybe isn't super fair, but if you're not letting us know what's going on, then people start making things up. And well, so, yeah. And apparently the reason why we don't know what's going on is not because of Britney. It's because of her father. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'll get to that in just a second. And in May of this last year, the judge ordered that an expert evaluation of the conservatorship should happen. And this gave fans a lot of hope that Britney Spears will be free soon and able to make her own decisions. In August, her father, Jamie Spears, said that the Free Britney movement was a joke and that its organizers were conspiracy theorists. But court proceedings in her case have been closed for years. So we don't really know, like, what all is going on. Right. However, she wants it to be revealed. Britney's lawyer recently filed a motion to open up the case to the public as opposed to Jamie's request to keep it sealed. Wow. So she wants people to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think she doesn't want to be under this conservatorship. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't really buy into the whole, like, she's sending us signs through her Instagram kind of thing. Because I think there's so many people controlling that. Like, 
I don't think she's going to be able to get things out like that. And also, I don't think that she wants to screw up her case. And then there's also, there's um, some allegations surrounding her father, like, I guess, getting into a physical altercation with her son. And that was messing with her, the custody of her children. And then um, a while back, there were some rumors flying that the reason why the conservatorship was still going was because of the custody with her children and that if she spoke out against it her father was threatening to have her kids taken away from her yeah so like kind of this thing that's like always hanging over her is that yeah that these people that have been controlling her lives for i mean sounds like like 12 years or whatever that that if if she doesn't do what they want then and how much strength are you going to expect one person have I mean it's like it's like people are like well she should come out and say something and it's like dude like can you imagine what it must feel like I mean I can I can imagine just being like I'm just gonna go along to get along so that I don't lose my kids right right you know what I mean yeah yeah just trying to kind of deal with it the best that you can like it sounds like she doesn't have a whole lot of options like if she has no control over the information that's put out and she's she's being told whether explicitly or implicitly that if she doesn't yeah. kind of behave herself, she's going to lose her kids. Like, yeah. Ugh. And just to re- wrap it up, um, just a reminder, she's now 38 years old. Yeah. She's been under this conservatorship for over 12 years. Gee. She's done world tours. Like I said, she's made hundreds of millions of dollars. She's, done residencies she's done tv shows she's done um she's put out fragrance lights like she has been working constantly this whole time you cannot tell me that that person is incapable of making decisions for themselves like it just doesn't i i just i don't buy it right i don't know and then the biggest question i have the biggest question i have is would this be happening if she were a man right yeah yeah and the answer is no Probably not. I mean, no. look at Charlie Sheen. Look at all these other crazy oh, that's people a good example. out there. I didn't, th- I didn't think about that. But yeah, Charlie Sheen is definitely an example of somebody that like was going through an episode for sure. Nobody's putting him under a conservatorship. Like it's this idea that women have to be controlled. And I, I think it's just kind of that like so crazy woman narrative. Like, you know, yeah. oh, she's crazy. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's coming all from this like Victorian era, like mm-hmm. mindset yeah. That women are hysterical. Yes. And, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Brittany. Just, yeah. Poor Brittany. Hopefully, hopefully, like, as it sounds like things are maybe moving in a good direction. I don't, I don't know. But that she'll be able to kind of release the information that she wants to release. And um, I hope she gets free. I hope she gets to say her piece. And then I right. hope everybody leaves her the fuck alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's like put in her time like she's she's contributed to society like there's no need for for continue and like she can pursue the things that she wants to do like if she really wants to dance or if she really wants to just be a mom or if she really wants like whatever Mm -hmm. like she's kind of earned that right in her life I feel like like to kind of have this anonymous life back and and I feel like in a way like we as a society owe her a huge apology right for the way that she was covered when she was going through those difficult times 
Yeah. I mean, it was heartless. Yeah. It was heartless. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Like, I think about, I mean, there's, there's, like, I think about, like, Beyonce, like, these, like, celebrities that, like, we don't really know anything about their, per- like, that they're given that, like, distance. Like, they're, yeah. They're allowed to kind of be who they want to be. And, and nobody really, you know, I don't see any, too many paparazzi pictures of Beyonce and, and all these no. people that are out doing whatever. No. Like, I, I, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just circumstance too, because right. it's like, we don't know if some of these other celebrities had had some breakdowns at different right. points in time. Right. They yeah. very well could have. It's just that I feel like nobody was really looking out for her. You know, it's just like she said in her documentary, she feels like people listen to her, but they don't really hear her. You know, right. they don't really hear her. Yeah. No. It's just so sad. It's, yeah, it's super sad. And it's kind of like, there's part of me that's like, it's sad because we don't know. But then there's part of me that's like, it's not my, I'm not supposed to know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. Well, I think she does want people to know because I think that she, there's all this stuff now with the conservatorship. Like she, because her father got sick, it was transferred to another person. Mm. And so now she's petitioning the court to have that person stay as her conservator. Cause I think that she thinks that it'll be easier to get out from underneath them than it would oh. be her father. Yeah, like it, I mean, it feels like she's kind of sending all of the signs that she's just not, not interested in, or she doesn't need it anymore. Like, I uh, mean, I would argue, I don't know that she ever needed it. R- yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's a good point too. Like, I feel like, I just feel like it wasn't set up to do this. Like, I don't, I mean, no. again, I'm not going to pretend like I understand the ins and outs of the law or anything, and I don't really know where it came from, but I can't imagine that this this legal proceedings or legal situation was put in place to put a totally coherent adult under their father's control. It was marked off on her, um, on her court documents. They marked off that she had dementia when they first applied for the conservatorship. And it's like, how the fuck does she have dementia and she learns all these dance moves right. and she goes on all these TV shows and she does all these world tours? It's crazy. Right. Uh, it's so, like, upset. Like I said, it's upsetting that, like, this exists, like, that this is an option. like, And that it's been happening right in front of us right. to someone that is beloved by so many people. Right. So, like, is it happening to other people that are, like, behind the scenes? Like, is it not behind the Could scenes? Be. They're, like, normal people? Like, Well, I think it's happening to her because they want control of her money. And right. they want control of, they want to they want to keep her working and they mm-hmm. want to keep, you know, bringing in that money. Yeah. And I just, I can't imagine it must be so difficult for her. Like, how do you even mm-hmm. go up against that? Like, right. where do you even start, you know? Yeah. I do remember seeing some clip on YouTube or something like that of, I don't, it was from some documentary. I don't know if it was a documentary that you mentioned. It seemed like it was more current than that, that like a room full of people, like there were probably like 10 people in this room who were talking about her, like saying like, oh, you know, what is on the schedule for her for this day and blah, blah, blah. And then one of them was like, oh, well, this day is her birthday. And then her dad was like, oh no, she'll work. Like, it's fine. And then there was (gasps) another day where it was like, um, that she would have her kids. Like, it was, like, a room full of people discussing another adult's schedule and discussing another adult's priority. Let Brittany have her fucking birthday off. Right, Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, that, like... But it's just... It was just kind of that, like the, like, the thought that, like, there's a room full of people without me in it that's discussing what I'm going to do. Like, regardless if it's my birthday or not, like... 
No, it's like I, I you should be in that room. Like you yeah. deserve every adult deserves to be in the room when they're when they're being discussed. And oh yeah, I'll God. have to see if I can find it and I'll send it to you. But anyway. Yeah. Hashtag free Britney. Free Britney. Team Britney. Guys. Okay. Gotta gotta get her out. Yep. I wish there was something we could do. <laughs> they have protests. I'm sure on the they days do. that she has court dates. <laughs> oh, There's like protests yeah. out there. Oh. I think it's just gonna get bigger. Anyway, I'm just trying to bring awareness to it because I get. feel like it's really unfair. Yeah. And um yeah. yeah. I know the world has got bigger problems right now. Yes. I know that, but it it doesn't make this right. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Like I said, it's, de- it's definitely something that like I've known about kind of in the background. Like it's kind of in the in, in the background of my thoughts, but like I didn't know a lot of the details. So that's really good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to send you a picture of what's happening in my house right now. Just to, okay. just to let you know. My cat is sitting on my papers. So. Oh, so cute. Yeah. Oh, I like your keyboard. Stuff. Oh, thanks. It's like a that's cover. Pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That was a big, like, I ordered one, and it was too big, and then I ordered, it was a, it was definitely a, like, just wasting, speaking of people wasting their money, who shouldn't be in control of their money. Yeah. I just buy 18 keyboard covers before I, I actually, know. like, measure it. <laughs> but. Look, I shouldn't be in charge of my money, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> I feel like everyone has moments like that, though. Like, that's, like, part of being an adult, right? Like, yeah. there's always moments where you're, like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that, or like I shouldn't shouldn't have bought that. The amount of money I've spent on eye cream is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> it's nobody. Yeah. I shouldn't. Nobody should let me. I, I really. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? I get to do it because I'm an adult. Because you're an adult, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am taking a sh- sharp right turn. Um, and I was talking to my sister and she was like, didn't you just read a book that was kind of a weird, weird story? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. So I am doing The Kidnapping of Edgardo Mortera. That's the name of the book. Okay. Um, and the book is also on Audible, which <laughs> we yes. have a sponsorship from Audible now. So go check it what out. What is it? Audible slash? Audibletrial.com slash peculiar okay and you can check it out the book's called the kidnapping of Edgardo mortera and it's by david kartzner and it's really good you should all check it out so what i'm about to do is try to summarize a book in like <laughs> 20 minutes so Edgardo uh mortera was a uh jewish boy living in italy uh he was born in 1851 and What brought his story to prominence is that at some point in his early life, the maids that worked in their house were Catholic. And at some point, supposedly, this Catholic maid, her name was Nina Morrissey, um, supposedly baptized him. That he was really sick (laughs) and she thought that he was going to die. She's taking care of a soul. And so, yes. And so (laughs) she went and baptized him, which would be kind of funny However, the people that were in charge of the city, they lived in Bologna, um, which is in northern Italy. And at that point, Bologna and and kind of most of northern Italy was the papal state. So it was like under control of the Catholic Church. And according to church doctrine, so the official church position was that Catholics should not baptize Jewish children without their consent, except if the child is on the brink of death. However, they saw that baptism was a sacred sacrament. And that any 
Catholic member of the Catholic Church should not be raised by anybody other than the Catholic Church. So by baptizing this kid the ch- and then telling the church, they felt like it was their right to go and remove this boy from his Jewish parents and then, I mean, essentially kidnap him and then raise him Catholic. Holy shit. Yeah. So on June 23rd, 1858, um, the papal police, like the military police, went to this boy's house and explained to him that his son had been baptized. And so therefore he had to be removed from the house. Whoa. Yeah. So from what I read, too, this wasn't like an uncommon thing. This was just for, for <laughs> some reasons that we'll like get into. Like this was just kind of like the one that got out, like the one that garnered a lot of attention from the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, the mother obviously was not super ecstatic about that. They they said there was no way that he could have been baptized, that he wasn't sick. They tried a bunch of different ways to convince them. And eventually they kind of like that night, they kind of conceded and they said, just let us spend at least one more day with Edgardo. And uh, the commission agreed. They said that he'd spend one more day as long as they didn't make any attempts to, like, try to, like, steal him away in the middle of the night. So his father's name is Solomon, and he went by Momolo. So his father kind of negotiated this. Um, so around noon, the police came back to uh, the house of the Morteras, and um, all of Edgardo's siblings had left along with his mother just so that, like, they didn't have to go through kind of the trauma of seeing him taken away um, at 5 that night, Momolo handed over Edgardo to the police, and he was taken to this place called uh, the House of the Ketchikums, is what I'm going to go with, which was this place. In the book, they talked about how it was like this really feared place to Jews, that it was seen as this like place like Jews were taken and like forced to be Catholic and of what you might think of as kind of the evil church. It was like a, a like a re-education camp? Yeah, yes, that's a good way to say it. There was no way of getting out. There was no way of getting in, like one of those types of places. So um, he was taken there in early June. The family did not know where he was until early July. Um, and so with the help of other Jews in the community, they were able to find him. And then this story kind of exploded. So because around this time was when there was a big push for freedom of the press, and so this story was really seen as an example of papal tyranny. Like, it was really seen as as the church overstepping its bounds. Um, it was seen as, like, what can happen if you let the church control a country or let, let religion control. So there was attention that was all, all from England and from France and the United States. Like, this was really getting attention from everywhere. And so the main prosecutor for, um, for this area promised that he would make sure that the Pope knew what was going on. And they assured Momolo, they assured uh, Edgardo's dad, that the Pope would know about this and would kind of review it and see what was going on. And then um, Momolo was allowed to visit his son in the house of the Ketchikombs. So he was, he was allowed these kind of regular visits while they were there. And then while they were there too, they were kind of like, how did this happen? Like they, Momolo and, and some other family members tried to kind of figure out who would have said this. They were really convinced that he wasn't even baptized. So they tracked mm-hmm. down this old made that they have. She had since uh, gotten married and moved out to the country. So her name was Nina Monsuri, and she had had moved out. And apparently when they confronted her, they, like, tracked her down out in the country. 
uh, San Giovanni is the name of the city that she went to. Um, mm-hmm. And she was in tears. She had said that she did baptize him, but she didn't mean any harm by it. She said that she talked to some grocer and was saying that Edgardo was really sick and that Edgardo had had a brother that had died at an early age, at the age of one in 1857, and that apparently his maid was talking to the grocer and saying how sorry she was about that. Um, and that the grocer had told her, oh, well, you should you should baptize him. Like, you should go and and make sure that, like, his soul was safe. And so um, she said that she sprinkled some water on him. And she said, um, she said that she performed this emergency baptism by sprinkling water on him. And she said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Um, but then she never told the family. So she kind of did this, like, haphazard baptism is what she was claiming. Doesn't it have to be holy water? Uh, or can it be like regular water in a pinch? <laughs> how do you make the water holy? I think it has to be blessed by yeah, but a can't priest. Can't you bless it? I mean, no, I think it has to be a priest that oh. has to bless the water. I don't kind of like how like it can't be kosher unless it's been blessed by a rabbi, right? Right. Yeah. I think the holy water is the same thing. Oh, I thought it was. I maybe I thought it was a bit more. Do it yourself. <laughs> I don't, DIY, I don't know. holy it's, water. Yeah, right. I have no idea. I'm not Catholic. I don't yeah. know for sure. Yeah, I am. I am not either. So we're just guessing here. But yeah. So they said that. Then they started kind of looking into whether he was even that sick because again the church was opposed to forced uh, on paper anyway. They were opposed to forced baptisms. So um, the only way that they would justify it was if he was really sick, and so. As they were kind of investigating it, um, they they had all these people that said he wasn't even that sick, like that he was just kind of a little boy and little boys get sick and and yeah, that he wasn't even that sick. So there were a lot of problems with her story. Um, she said that she felt like it was all of her fault and she was very unhappy about that. So she did agree to um, record down what she had written and then the um, the kind of inquisitors would come back later um, to get her statement notarized. And when they left and they came back, she wasn't there. Like, she, like, disappeared. This lady just wreaking yeah. havoc everywhere she goes. Unbelievable. This lady, there was, like, a whole chapter about kind of that, kind of her morals and what type of person she was. And I didn't really feel like that was something to go into, like, that she was kind of a loose woman. And so they they talk about that, too, that, like. A loose woman. I yeah, love that term. That, yeah, but apparently that means that she shouldn't be listened to, which I, I feel like in this case it might be true. But in general, I don't think it has anything to do with that. No, I, think that I don't she think it's connected. Be listened to. <laughs> yes, no. So um, they couldn't find her again. Two different kind of stories started to emerge. So there was kind of the, the pro-Edgardo, the free Edgardo movement, <laughs> um, saying that he was like this little kid and he was crying when he got pulled from his parents and he wanted nothing more than to return home. And so this was kind of, the narrative that the family was pushing. This was the narrative that, like, the Jewish community was pushing. And this was really the the more accepted, which I think it's just because it makes sense, like a six-year-old <laughs> getting pulled away from his family. Like, of course, he's going to be upset. Yeah. Um, but the church was pushing this narrative of, like, that this kid was, like, a prodigy almost, like a spiritual prodigy. And that oh, he no. um, that he now, like, kind of accepted his life and that his life had been an error up to this point and he wanted nothing more than for his parents to convert with him. Okay, first of all, I have to say, even if 
even if this little kid who has been torn from his parents and then indoctrinated into the Catholic Church did say that, he's also a minor. Right. And maybe you shouldn't take seriously what a minor says after you've put him into a re-education camp. By the way, like, have you been to a Catholic school or listened to some Catholic doctrine? It's pretty heavy on the guilt. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I'm not religious at all, but... The dogma in that religion is right. very heavy. Yeah. So so to have like no yeah. exposure to it to all of a sudden being sur- like he was at a convent day. essentially like this like yeah preaching every day. I mean they tell children look you're going to go to hell if you don't believe this. Like first of all that's fucked up. Nobody should tell any kid that. I'm no. sorry, but like right. I'm very like anti like that. <laughs> um But they do. So, like, you tell a six-year-old, like, oh, yeah, your parents are wrong. Here are all these books, and here's this huge organization that says you're going to burn in hell if you don't stay here. Mm -hmm. Like, you you can't even take seriously, even if he did say he wanted to stay a Catholic. Right. No, I— He's a kid. Right, yeah. So the articles and stuff that got put out did kind uh, of—it was almost, like, too good to be true, and a lot of people saw it as being really absurd— um, they said that he had memorized the catechism perfectly within days. No, he didn't. Yeah, no, no. A six-year-old? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, and that uh, he apparently said he had blessed the servant who baptized him, and he declared that he wanted to convert all the Jews to Christianity. Um, and then they also quoted him as saying, I'm baptized and my father is the Pope. So this article, oh like, I think it was seen as kind of a, a bit ridiculous by everybody. Uh, Momolo, his father, did return to Bologna in September because he just couldn't, like, he just couldn't continue to stay in Rome. Like, he had a wife and he had, like, the rest of his family. So he was saying that his family Mm -hmm. would be destroyed if he didn't go back to Bologna. And when he was there, he he was trying to follow up more with the maid and trying to see uh, what had happened. And then he started to say that she wouldn't have known anyway how to do this baptism, which is kind of what we were talking about before. They started to really look into her kind of sexual improprieties and that she apparently would, like, flirt with all of the Austrian officers and then take Mm -hmm. them back to their house. Yeah, that, like, they were really, like, dragging this woman, which I feel kind of bad for. Like, I understand, but I don't know. I feel kind of... I feel like anytime this, like, narrative of, like... The fallen woman can't be trusted. Right. Like, I feel like... I don't know. It, it makes my skin crawl, like, thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, because it's, it's fucking terrible. Because they right. would never do that to a man. Right, right. yes. You know, yeah. they would never be like, oh, he slept with a lot of women. Right. Can't be trusted, you know? Right. Like, no. Yeah. They'd just be like, oh, so he's just a person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a person. Maybe we are all just people. Like, oh just God. a thought. So then in October, Momolo returned to Rome. So he spent a little bit of time. So kind of September, he spent in Bologna. And then this time he returned with his wife. His wife's name was Marianne. And so he wanted to set up a meeting because Marianne hadn't seen her son, like, since he was taken in June. Oh, my God. And again, with the mother's visit, these kind of two narratives presented themselves. Like, the mom said that she he had lost weight and that he was pale and his eyes were filled with terror. Like, they really were pushing this, like, that he really missed his parents. She said that she told him he was born a Jew just like us and he must always remain one. And he replied, see me, Kiera, Mama, which I think means I know, Mama. Um, and I'll never forget to say the Shema every day was kind of how the Jewish press portrayed it. Um, and then the pro-church 
movement or accounts or whatever were portraying mm-hmm. her as like one of the quotes that they said was, I'd rather see you dead than become a Christian. It just oh really made her God. seem like this, like, cra- again, this kind of crazy woman narrative that we're just going real hard at today. So after that visit, a whole lot of kind of uh, political stuff started to happen in Italy. So <laughs> I'm real sorry to any Italian historians, but I think at this time, Italy was kind of broken up into a bunch of different states and there wasn't really a unified Italy. And around this time was when this kind of unify Italy movement started. And so other things kind of started to to become more important and they were trying really hard to stay in the news and stay stay kind of relevant. And that that this was kind of one of the stories that they were using that the church should not be in control of these countries anymore, that like Italy needed to govern itself. So it was really being used as the figurehead for that story. Hmm. So um, at this time too, the Pope started to step in, like the actual, like not just like from a distance, uh, Pope Pius IX. So he started to take a very active role. He was in charge of every aspect of Edgardo's Christian upbringing um, and that they should not return him like he was being really hard about this no we're not going to return him like verbatim like we're not giving him back he was baptized and we're not going to like bow down to this and that it was it was part of church doctrine that that this needed to happen unbelievable yeah so that kind of started this whole like well maybe the church is all corrupt like they're stealing this kid away from his family that that kind of started the movement towards wanting to separate from the church and kind of wanting, I mean, this is a very American statement, but the separation of church and state, like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the, the uh, Italian government wanted to have that too. So uh, um, the Pope was quoted as saying, um, my son, you have cost me dearly and I have suffered a great deal for you. Unnecessarily. <laughs> right, yes. Like you did this to yourself. It's just really easy. You yeah. just, you just put Give the kid back. back with his family. Yeah. It's, it's not... Yeah, he said, um, both the powerful and the powerless have tried to steal this boy from me. And I assure you. uh, Steal this boy from him? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Steal him back. So (gasps) the Pope was going like he was going hard with this. We're not giving him back. Wow. I wonder what the Catholics, if if they they heard this story, if they'd still be like, oh, yeah, all the popes are infallible. Uh, I, I read an article about how. There are members of the Catholic Church that still don't see it as a bad thing. That like there's still, which it's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell wow. from like one article. I wasn't, I wasn't going to talk about it too much just because it was like one article. Look, that I you found. know what? I'm not, but, I'm not surprised. I'm not yeah. surprised because people are actually okay with there being 500 children, right. who don't know where their parents are right now because right. of child separation policies. Right. So yeah. I'm not surprised that there are still people that think that this kind of shit's okay because they're okay for it, for it to happen right now. Right. Sorry. Yeah. That's, yeah. But it, it, this kind of, I feel like it's just this like frustrating to hear that like some people are like, no, this Pope is infallible. Everything he said, or, or this president or this administration or whatever it is, is infallible. Yeah. And whatever they say, it's like, no, dude, that's a cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, the, the Catholic Church going going real hard. Um, they quietly had Edgardo confirmed in a private ceremony in May of 1859. So they... This poor kid. <laughs> this poor kid, 100%. He was sent to um, a basilica in Rome um, where it says where Pope Pius personally handled his education. 
yeah. So again, the church was really going like they were not backing off of this. This is what they were going to do. Like, even though it sounds like what a stupid hill to die on. Right. That's yeah. That's like even though it sounds like this was causing so much like commotion throughout the world, like so much kind of anti-Catholic statements and so much uh, anti-church statements. And they still were like, no, this is what we want to do. So in late uh, 1889, again, after he was confirmed, which I guess after you're confirmed, there's kind of no going back. The, <laughs> is that so? <laughs> I, I don't know. You said some, that, some magic words and all of a sudden there's no going back? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, well, I guess, I mean, because it seems like the baptism was kind of disputed as to whether the baptism really happened, but the confirmation for sure happened. So I think in the, in the church's eyes anyway, he was locked in for life. So, (laughs) wow. Yeah. So in late 1859, Italy became unified. Mm. So now it was like solidly Italy. And that started the trial. So um, this man named this man named Luigi Carlo Ferreri is what I'm going to go with. Um, was put on trial. He was the person that was in charge. He was the cardinal that was kind of in charge of Bologna at the time that this was happening. So he was arrested. He was he was put on trial um, and he was not saying anything. Wow. He was kind of going with this like I was just following orders. And then everyone was like, well, where did your orders come from? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you that. And he said that all the papers that were connected to Edgardo's case were burned um, and he just, he was going real hard with this, that anything that the Catholic Church does is the right thing to do. And I was just following through with their orders. And they were like, so hmm. this was the first major trial of of a united Italy. So it was kind of a big deal, politically speaking, too. This was when they kind of looked into the maid a little bit more. And they tried to figure out when he was baptized and why he was baptized. And if he wasn't really that sick. And so he kept his line that he was not going to say anything. Um, his lawyer, it's his, uh, his lawyer was in the uh, precarious place of having to defend somebody who didn't want to defend themselves. So uh, the judging panel heard all of the case. Um, and they decided that um, they did not want to prosecute him at this time. So he was released, even after all this kind of investigation. Momolo was hoping that his son would again be kind of part of the international conversation that was happening in the world and see the injustice. He was getting a bunch of Jewish groups involved. But it was to no avail. So the Pope remained steadfastly determined not to give Edgardo up, declaring, What I have done for this boy, I had the right and the duty to do. If it happened again, I would do it the same way. So um, even though all of the Jewish communities Hmm. within the new kingdom of Italy, they crowned a new king, they tried to appeal to the king. There was apparently another boy around this time, um, Giuseppe Cohen, who went through the same thing. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, this. it sounds like it wasn't terribly uncommon it was just this was the case that kind of got the most attention wow yeah and so when italy kind of started to fall and when rome started to fall and and become its own country edgardo's father momolo uh followed in the the italian army into rome and tried to find him and edgardo at this point was like i mean he was like totally indoctrinated so he ran away um, he said he didn't want to return to his family. He was 18 at this time, so they said that oh it was his God. choice. So he, like, ran away and escaped to Austria. He assumed a different name. He added the Pope's name to his first name, so he became Pio Edgardo Montera. And then he became a priest. He was ordained as a priest, even though he was too young. So they said he, oh my God. at 21 he was technically too young, but the Pope, you know, being the best friend of the Pope. And so he... 
Father Montera, who he's now called, um, traveled around <laughs> Europe and he gave a bunch of different speeches. Um, he would always talk about how he was so thankful to this illiterate servant girl to invest in a small child, the miraculous power of divine grace and in which rescued him from a Jewish family was how he. Wow. Um, his father, Momolo, died in 1871. Shortly. Heartbroken. Yeah, totally heartbroken. <laughs> he did. Kind of a random side note. He died shortly after spending seven months in prison due to being on trial for for the death of a servant girl who had apparently fallen out the window under mysterious circumstances under his care. Oh, God. Yeah, so I don't know what that is, but, you know, whatever. Edgardo continued to stay close to his family. He stayed close to his mother. He said that his his mother would come and visit him as much as she could, but that... Oh, so he didn't, like, write them off completely? No, no. Okay, But he he did, he said until... So she died in 1890. Um, There was a report by a newspaper that she had finally, on her deathbed, let Edgardo kind of make her a Christian or baptize her or whatever. That's not true. That didn't happen. Even, Edgardo said even that it wasn't true. He said that it was his, he wrote a book and he said, I, I have always adamantly desired that my mother ad- embrace the Catholic faith. Um, I have tried many times to get her to do so. However, that never happened. So Yeah, because they stole her kid away from yeah. her. She's not converting, dude. I could not imagine <laughs> that being a great, happen. yeah, that not, that's not a great way to start. <laughs> um, he did stay close to his brothers and sisters um, and kind of traveled around uh, around Europe. He didn't return to Italy until 20 years later, and he died there on March 11, 1940, at the age of 88. And wow. that is the story of the kidnapping of Edgardo Mortera. Wow, that yeah. is bonkers. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Want to do our rundown? Sure. I'll start. So I ran a couple days ago and I was going to do a short run. Um, but do you ever have those days when you're like, I'm going to do just like, I'm just going to get myself out there. I'm just going to do a short little run. That way I can say I did it. But then, like, something just, like, happens and you're just feeling really good and you just go for longer, you know? A hundred percent. And then I just kind of went for it and I I took a lot longer of a run than I thought I was going to. Good. I know this doesn't sound like much of a story, but it just... No. I haven't been exercising as much as I should because, you know, it's a terrible time. Yeah, Yeah. I think we all... I haven't been either. (laughs) I I think it's just kind of where you're at. Yeah. So just to be able to easily do a longer run and not feel like I was having to really push myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. too much. I guess maybe I had like had enough caffeine that day or something. (laughs) I don't know. It was just nice. It was nice to know that I could still get a longer run in and and feel good. Have you ever seen the thing that like, like if you're running, I don't know if you're doing like a 5k or whatever, that if you haven't figured it out by the first mile, then it's just going to go like if you haven't like get, gotten into your rhythm or try to figure it out in that first mile. Like I feel like there's been times when like, yeah, you run that first mile and you're like, I feel really good. And then you just keep going. Like, yeah. 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 That's what it felt like. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So my rundown is a bit I, I texted you about this. So um, probably two weeks ago, I guess I got a new piece of equipment. I got their uh, headphones and they're oh. called bone conduction headphones. Because my sister always complains to me about, like, just putting in headphones and turning my music up all the way, and then I'm going to get hit by a car or whatever. Yeah. Like, she's all, like, she talks about that all the time. Like, how you shouldn't run with music and how you're cutting off one of your senses and whatever. Yeah. And so I thought this would be a good, I was like, oh, because I know she, I mean, she's right. Like, I, you know, whatever. I guess she's right. <laughs> and so I decided to try these bone conduction headphones. So they, like, sit 
on your your face, I guess, like right in front of your ear. Oh. And and so your ear is still open. And so I was like, I don't know, like how are they? And they were kind of expensive too. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. if these don't work, I'm going to be really upset. But I have really enjoyed them so far. And there's oh, definitely wow. been times that I'm like, like I'll be running and I'll think, that I'm like, oh, are things louder or like, you know, but I think it's just that I couldn't hear them before. Like, there's definitely been times that, like, I've heard somebody coming up behind me that I wouldn't have heard before. Oh, and, nice. like, I run by this, like, not really, like, a creek. It's, like, a, a a drainage ditch or whatever. But there's a lot of, like, stuff that lives down there. And I'm, I remember running by it the other day, and I was like, it's really loud down there, like, with, like, bugs and frogs and stuff. Hmm. And I just had never heard it before. So it was really neat to, like, I don't know. I'm still kind of getting used to them. They're still kind of weird, and I haven't quite figured out if other people can hear them, which I'm super <laughs> nervous about, like, because I can, like, pull them off. And, like, if I'm, like, holding them, like, like at my, like, chest level, I guess, I can hear them still. So I feel like other people can hear them, which I, like, hate. Ugh. If you're one of those people that run with the speaker, I hate you. Like, oh you're the God, worst person too. ever. They're the worst. They're How the dare worst. You? How dare you, sir? <laughs> So I'm just super nervous that like I'm doing that. And You're so not. that's no well, they're I, not I don't know. there's no way they're that loud. Yeah. Because I it's get, right by your ear. Yeah. Put and then them I do on the other side of the room and then like yeah. see if you can hear it. Oh yeah. Once if I like hold my hands down by my side, like if I hold them like down by my side, I can't hear them anymore. It's then just kind of nobody like nobody can hear you. Yeah. And then I do yeah. feel like they're like pushed up against my skin. So like even I don't yeah. know. I'm um but and then there's kind of there's songs, there's certain songs. Um, like I noticed it on, um, what was it? It's Post Malone, um, Beaches? Oh my God, your future circles? husband. Oh yes, I love me some Post Malone. But but his one of his songs has some like, I don't know what, if it's an instrument or if it's just, what. there's something in it that like vibrates a lot more than the rest of them. And so I can feel it like vibrating my skin, which oh, weird. is weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's only certain songs. It's like that song and then there's a couple other songs, but yeah, so that takes some kind of getting used to, but for the most part, I'm I'm pretty happy with them. So hmm. we'll have to keep keep trying them and see see how it goes. I should check those out too. Then, yeah, bone I, I conduction headphones. Bone conduction headphones. Yeah, yeah, I think I sent you the picture of them. So awesome, great. All right, well, thanks for listening. Check us out on all the stuff. Yes, Instagram and Facebook. It's all peculiar stories and far out tales. Yeah, and then the Our website. website PeculiarStoriesAndFarOutTales.com. Patreon is patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. Yeah. And remember, it is far better to be peculiar than to be boring. Yeah. Free Britney. Free Britney. Woo! And Eduardo, too, while Ed- you're yes. at it. I mean, I know he's dead, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. let's never do that again. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget. I think yeah. we've already forgotten. Okay, I'm not going to yeah. get into it. I'm going to cut this part out anyway. But, like, seriously, what the fuck? Those poor kids. <laughs>